And how? I never really, <clears throat> I never really had any issues with running a bunch of tabs in Chrome. Um, whether it's how, how many tabs? How many side. tabs do you typically? How many tabs do you typically have open? Right now, I'm light, and I have one, two, three. I have six open right now, and that's a little light. Well, it, it depends what you're doing, right? Like for shows, yeah, you have your show stuff open. If yeah. you're at work, you know, it's, it's different. I feel like, too, it's not the amount of tabs you have open. It's what those tabs are doing. You yeah, can have, no, I yeah. do notice a performance difference um, on the Windows side if – I have one of those tabs that's just streaming uh, flash video and something like a, a, like another podcast or what have you that I'm watching. Right. You know, I, I'll see a little bit of lag on that, um, even if I just try to pull it out and make it its own window and minimize it so I can just listen to it in the background thinking it'll use use less memory. Flash is it'll a hog. Flash yeah, is such a hog, though. Lag it a little bit. You could have 50 tabs open or an HTML5 and five Flash tabs open, and those Flash tabs are drowning your memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. But tab management getting much better. Browsers overall getting much better. Um, let's Unless talk about... you're IE9. IE9 still sucks. At, uh, IE, still sucks. I don't care what number you put after it. It sucks. <laughs> don't use that. Use Chrome or Firefox. Don't even use Fire. Firefox had some wicked bad memory ma- uh, memory leak it sure errors. Did. It sure did. Just like three gigs, really? <laughs> okay, yeah. Firefox, that's fine. <laughs> you said I got four gigs of RAM, Firefox. Three for you and one for Windows. And there you go. Yeah. Party and on. My tab, my tab just have webmail open. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's squirrel mail though, so it's cool. It's nuts. Guys, it's Wednesday, May 16th, 2012, episode 9 of Yats. It's yet another tech show at yetanothertechshow.com. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, we got Ant Pruitt. What's going on, man? Good evening, gentlemen. And we got Larry Press. How you doing, sir? Howdy, guys. That's it. Just us, the three amigos. What's going on every week? Catch us live at yetanothertechshow.com slash live. We got a chat room there. And if you would like your own name, just sign up a free justin.tv account. It's that simple. Find us on iTunes. Please write us a review because that helps us find more people. And the more people we find, the more interaction we get, and the more fun this weekly tech show is. Uh, We got a Google Plus page, Facebook page. All that stuff is on the site, of course. So just terrible, (laughs) terrible, disgusting news to start things out with. Uh, we'll 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 slide over to the mobile space with Verizon. You know they they were everybody back when when smartphones first started. It was like oh check out our fast network kind of fast for back in the day and and you can have internet everywhere and that blew our minds. We we're like that is so cool internet everywhere. And then the data plans were unlimited and, and bits flowed like milk and honey and 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 all that great things that flow 
And then we slowly, the more people that adopted these devices, the more the carriers thought maybe they should have invested more in their infrastructure because it wasn't handling the amount of uh, usage. And then we started seeing caps get put on our, uh, our mobile broadband. And a lot of us were grandfathered in and we got to keep our plans and that's all cool until just when you thought it was safe to get an LTE phone. And what are they doing? I think they're losing their mind. Why are they going to go losing. ahead and, and, and stop the people that's been with this, that's been with them for years and years and, and start punishing them? I mean, a lot of these caps are, are truly not necessary. They say it's supposed to help save their network performance. It's really not necessary, man. They're just trying to figure out another way to get more bucks in their pockets and send somebody else to Tahiti. That's all it is, because if they really wanted to fix their congestion problem, they would either A, invest more and stabilize their infrastructure for the amount of, of customer base they have, or they would do... There's ways to shape the bandwidth without t completely violating net neutrality or, quote, air quotes, net quotes, neutrality. Quotes. There's ways to do it without throttling. You don't say, here's the fastest 3G, 4G network in America until you get up to 2 megs and then we're going to throttle you. Like, you're still going to be using it. That, that doesn't do anything for congestion, you know? It's Nothing. all about peak times. It's all about, you know getting the bits where they need to go efficiently and having a network that can handle it. And if your network can't handle it, don't screw us. It's not, I didn't break. I didn't build a crappy network. It's not my fault. And just, and just like you said, invest. It's not like they're not making any money. Verizon is one of the most expensive right? carriers out there. Right? How many, <laughs> how many regions like where I live and places like this that they're the only carrier? They make so much money here because we're stuck. Where else am I going right. to go? Right. You know, the competitors here are, are in my area, Sprint and AT&T, of course. And everybody that I know is on Sprint, they have a, a less expensive plan, but their coverage is horrible. Everyone that I know is, it, that is on uh, AT&T, slightly less expensive than Verizon, but yet they deal with drop calls every, you know, two minutes per call. Right. And that's granted, I don't talk on the phone much, but I never get drop calls on my galaxy Nexus. I didn't, my droid X. I didn't, I've never, nope. since I've been on Verizon, I've never had that problem. Nope. Granted, I don't care about phone calls. Like I would rather just have a data plan and deal with Google voice or Skype than have to like, you can have this many minutes unless it's the nighttime or the weekend. Like shut up. That's so yeah, stupid. It just, I just want to make sure I have four bars when I'm on the road. Exactly. Exactly. That's, it. <laughs> That's all. Is that too much to ask for a plan we pay $3,000 for at the end of our contract on top of any little hidden fees they like to, to give us? Did you really have to do the math just now? I feel worse. No. <laughs> Did I? Oh, three grand. Oh. And you know, you're paying more for the voice than you are for the data. I know. And for text, I mean, how many, how many apps are out there that completely yeah. bypass the need to have text messaging? There's so, you know, there's so much. You know, a long time ago, I did a calculation. I don't remember the numbers, but it was something like if, if Apple charged as much to download a song as the carriers do for a text message, you'd be paying about $5,000 a song. 
it's it's, out, kinda, it's unreal. It's that kind of ballpark. Yeah, it is. You serious? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll I'll dig up the link to the post. That's for know. real, and we'll put it in the, the show that notes. That is for that is for real. That's so for real. It's just oh bizarre. my gosh! So this was at the J.P. Morgan Technology Media and Telecom Conference in Boston. In Boston. Uh, Verizon CFO Fran Shamo said the company will unveil a, quote, data share pricing model by midsummer, which will give customers the ability to buy. We're, this is a feature. No, this is what you guys have been wanting. Trust us. <laughs> but wait, wait, but what, what's it going to be? What, You're what is too, it you, the customers, are too dumb to know what you want, so we're going to tell you what you want, and then we're going to do you one better. We're going to take what we know you want, and we're going to shove it down your throat until you want it. But but did he give you any idea in this announcement? Yes, he, he said that What's it gonna be? they will give customers the ability to buy an allotment of data that can be used across multiple devices linked to the same account. As that well, plan rolls out... Verizon will discontinue its practice of allowing customers who have legacy unlimited data plans to keep those plans when they buy a new smartphone. Verizon stopped allowing new customers to buy unlimited data plans a year ago. And see, when I upgraded from my Droid X, which I had a grandfathered in unlimited data plan, only 3G, because Droid X, it's only 3G. Not that we have LTE here anyway. But I asked them, because this is an LTE phone, is that going to carry over? And they said, yes, sir, it absolutely will. So my question is, because I bought my LTE device before this happened, will I be grandfathered in until I switch to a new LTE device? Or are they just going to kill it on my account anyway? That sounds like a lawyer ball question. I'll tell you because what is one thing. Should, whatever they do, you won't put. have any choice. I know, right? I uh, and and that's <laughs> they're, gonna, they're that, gonna do it, and you'll have nobody. To, that's more to true except, than you except think, Aunt and me, Larry. That's more true <laughs> than you think because I can't go anywhere else. There is no place else to go here. So yeah, thanks, Verizon. I will. I will in protest. I will just kill my account, and I will. I have a map of open Wi-Fi spots from my house to town to everywhere else I go, and I will just hop from AP to AP like Google Maps was doing when they were mapping. You have a map. Knock, knock, on, somebody, <laughs> knock on somebody's door. Uh, can I come in and... Uh... Uh, what's your key? Oh, never mind. It's WEP. I already cracked it. Thanks. <laughs> it's what Backtrack on a netbook is for with an Atheos chipset. I'm telling you. Uh, the, the CFO emphasized that the plan is paper, not actual. So what the hell does that mean? We're only screwing you figuratively, not like what? What does that mean? No, but you said did, CFO, right? Yeah, really. Yeah, that makes. Did difference. I hear you say though? Did I hear you say though in the in the middle of that somewhere that? That you could have one plan for all the devices you have. Yeah, like and that's pull your data. For, that's, that's something that's cool. I agree with, but don't don't take away that unlimited. So you can use it on more devices, but we're going to cap you. Like that makes sense. And the other thing I really wanted to discuss about this is that we're in a world that's moving towards. People wanting this super fast, super big mobile pipe for all of this rich mobile media experience, we're going to be consuming more bandwidth. The more that our lives move into the cloud, I stream my Google Music and I stream my Netflix account, and I rarely have things on my device. It's all up in the cloud for two reasons. One, for, be, for backup, and two, just to not take up space on my device. 
And so the more we go towards that, the more bandwidth our accounts are going to require as a basic, you know, necessity requirement. And they're completely doing the opposite of what you would expect, you know, to be done. That's disgusting. Well, you know, these these big enterprises, they have all of these uh, forecasting meetings and agendas, you know, throughout the year. Someone knew this was coming. Oh, for Someone sure. Someone knew that, that, that the media state was going to be more cloud and internet-based and, and streamed over the air versus something stored on that SD card. Somebody knew that. And it was so we've heard capitalized. We've heard leaks of the the parts of it that were like um you can use it across multiple devices and all the the positive things, but you never once heard the leak that oh and by the way there goes your unlimited plans even if your grandfather didn't. They waited for that till the very last minute, you know, which is oh, yeah. also shady. Thank you. Yeah, our sales teams call that spin sales. Right. <laughs> uh, though Verizon's lowest. You know, oh, go ahead. Wanting that, don't you think they're afraid they're gonna they're gonna cannibalize their landline business? They have AppDelt. Um, maybe it's faster, right? But can you can't get it everywhere, so they're gonna probably depend on those rural customers to be on the landlines, yeah. and then the non to be on the cell towers. Larry, reboot your computer. You're dying on us. Uh, though Verizon's lowest two gig per month tier currently costs thirty dollars, which is, mind you, yeah, this, I, I'm having a. You're like ten minutes behind us, Larry. The thirty dollar a month that's and that's that's what I'm paying right now for my unlimited offering, right? And the right, company so knows here. that data usage is increasing, particularly as 4G LTE networks make possible huge HD video downloads and machine to machine communications. And they say as customers increase their data usage on devices, the company thinks they'll move to higher and pr- higher pricier tiers. So the more data we use, the more they're going to screw us, is what that says. That's exactly what that sounds it, like. I mean, right? <laughs> How is that okay? How are we just totally cool with that? It's because we don't have another choice, unfortunately. And you isn't know what, there again, things... Again, just in, like you said, what is your alternative? You know, you... You gonna do AP you know, to the, AP? You guys, Yeller. Yeah, I hear you guys saying you don't have alternative. We talked. We talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, at least in some areas like Sprint starting to sell, you know, wholesale stuff and resell through um, through third party. I don't know. There's an acronym for them, but whatever. People that sell Sprint service under under their own private names, like Ting or Republic and Wireless, like Ting, yeah. Ting and I. Thing. Virgin Wireless, I think, is Republic another. Republic Wireless, uh, kind of. Yeah, and I think those guys, maybe, 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 if they come up with more reasonable pricing plans, it may put a little pressure on, uh, on the big who. Uh, who knows? And now those guys are just, they're just piggybacking off of the current infrastructure that's there, right? Exactly. Yeah. They're using yeah. in-place antennas, which I think what it's going to take is a company like Google or even Apple or somebody that has the money in the bank that could buy a couple countries to invest in lighting up some dark fiber, connecting that to some big old antennas and just netting different large yeah. metropolises in their Internet and say, you know what? F you carriers. You did this to yourself. You're you're. 
You're assuming that Google or, or Apple would be any kinder to you, or I'm assuming uh, that it's in. Verizon. I'm assuming that it's in those companies' best interest for me to use nice, fast internet and to be happy with that internet use, so that I use it more than it is for these carriers who are trying. They don't even know what they're doing. We're making. We're software developers, and over here we're we're a dumb pipe. But over here we're a media content creator. Like you don't even know what you're doing. You're like Yahoo, but you're a carrier. Like just carry and be done. That's all. Yeah. By the way, that's you know you just talked about media content. There was also a plap. I don't know if it's since our last show. Uh, Sony came out and said, "Hey, uh, they maybe aren't going to get into the internet video because you know they know that Comcast is going to screw them." Right. Which yeah, is true. Right. That's a yeah. net neutrality. Comcast, right? You know what what you do. Uh, Comcast video doesn't count against your cap, but um, Sony video does. The, and Netflix that's, video does. Does that seem right? Like that's that's a direct mm-hmm. violation of prioritization of bits and bytes, and that is so yeah. wrong. Yep. Net neutrality. So who's isn't there <laughs> supposed to be like a, a a body of committee of some sort in place to make sure that we aren't getting completely effed in the A like this? I mean, what is? Where is our protection as customers signing these two-year contracts that they're not going to completely screw us? Is there any? You're only going to find that kind of justice when you go to small small claims. Right, which we saw with the gentleman that, uh, what was it, AT&T or Sprint? Yeah, and right now the, what is it, the FCC, they got bigger fish to fry, unfortunately, with... You know, with all of the other... um, They got a Facebook IPO to deal with, right? Yeah. You know, and then not to mention the previous CISPA stuff too. You know. Oh my goodness! You, you know, know what? So, it, it, so take take SOPA, take PIPA, take CISPA, enact it all, and I won't even care about this because I'm done with the internet. That's it. <laughs> I. You know what? There, take it. I'm done. I, I don't care. I'm going back to writing on all you paper. Gotta, and all you guys got to do is move to Korea. I heard, or uh, <laughs> or Switzerland. I hear Switzerland and Finland. Very nice internet yeah. there. He's Get done it. with the internet as he hosts four different podcasts. I'm t- I will walk away from all this. I don't even care. I'm, it's not worth it at that point. You're giving me gray hairs, and I'm 31. Like, come on. It's not worth it. <laughs> and this is, this is exactly what it says here. They say that you're going to use way more data, and you're going to pay us even more for it. And that, that's, that's, that's your business. And I think that's the Apple effect. Kind of. Because that's pretty much how they roll. You know, this is what you're going to like as a consumer, and this is what you're going to pay for it as a consumer, and you're going to deal with it. I don't care if it is $600. You will pay us $600. That's right. And if you won't, your friend will, and you're going to envy that friend for the rest of your life, or at least until our next product cycle. <laughs> no, no, but come on. A, a ton of people have come out with competing with tablets but uh, nobody's buying them oh yeah i love my i mean apple is doing something right there you got to admit yeah no i agree with you on that they spearheaded it standpoint of of i mean even just how that the iphone came about you know and granted the iphone has been very successful but he he basically said you know what you don't need a a a uh, physical keyboard. You're you're not gonna like it. You're gonna like this touch touchscreen keyboard better. Just on an assumption, you know. Yeah. Do you think? Fortunately, though, it paid off. 
<laughs> do you think? Yeah, but I mean, you can still buy a phone with a keyboard if you want. It's yeah. not like, that choice hasn't been foreclosed. Yeah. But do you think that that assumption shaped the next step of of, of technological evolution and getting away from keyboards? If that would, if he never would have done that, would we have eventually? Oh yeah, people were screwing around with. People with, were already you know, doing it. It's just Apple's had Apple had the money to make the investment. Right, you know? right. The initial like, let's and see they, if they this could, works. They could bring it to the market cheap enough. The same yeah. thing with the Macintosh. I mean, it just yeah. barely fast enough to do what it did for a huge price at the time. But you know, guys, you know, Xerox tried before, Apple tried before with the Lisa. But you, you got to kind of have the the timing has to be just right. The technology has to catch up with what you're trying to do. Yeah, ask Microsoft about their slate. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft was messing around with stuff like that forever. Huh? <laughs> Ahead of its time or just a pile of crap? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> all right, let's ask move on to uh, – do you got any other comments on, on the, the Verizon screwing uh, all of us? Yeah, uh, it's uh, making me a, too sad. Let's I know. Let, all right, let's move on. Uh, Ant, you had an interesting piece in uh, at a new domain.net. Dear Photograph, tell us about this. Well, I was feeling a little sappy with the whole Mother's Day weekend, um, you know. So, and yes, I do get the, the chance to see my mother. She's only two hours away, but I came across some um, some photographs here at my home that I stole from her from her house in the photo album. And um, you know, I I want to say we've talked about it a few times before. As far as what's the value in a physical photograph nowadays? And you look at it by generation, someone my age, they probably don't have a photo album unless it's their kids or something like that, you know, birth of their child or, or first birthday of their child or something like that. But most of the time, it's up on some web album like Picasso or Flickr or what have you. But then you go to all of our parents or elders, well, I shouldn't say all, but most of them, they have a physical um, photo album, but there's this website out there called Dear Photograph, where uh, it's a guy from Canada. He wanted to take and pretty much get the nostalgia of that that physical paper photograph and bring it back and get us more into using those a little more a little more creatively. Um, what you do is you take a picture from your from back in the days or whatever. Say it's a picture of your favorite tree climb or what have you. You know. You take that same picture to that spot today and you reflect on it and see how it looks. You know, is it the same? Is the tree the same size? Is the tree bigger? That's really cool. It, That's what else cool is idea. around that tree? And you hold that picture up in front of that scene and you take a picture of your picture in with the, the picture. scene in the background. <laughs> and it, it's, it's really, 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 really neat to see what some of the submissions are and you go through that site and some of them are pretty funny some of them are cool some of them are I think it's really like interesting said, that you look at you look at like physical pictures though real old pictures and they have that <laughs> old like yellowed kind of look to it and I think it's funny that we're replicating that digitally to get that old look even though you're not holding the Polaroid right. or whatever but it looks like it on you know via the filters and stuff and that's the thing that I was that I mentioned on um on my post on a new domain is everybody's talking about daggum Instagram. You know, uh. what is, what really is Instagram doing for the, the consumer photographer? Nothing. It allows them to make something black and white. It allows them to make something faded and washed out. 
you know, but it's really not doing anything for the memories of those pictures. You know, some people take snapshots of things to capture a specific memory, you know. Sometimes people just take snapshots just because they're out at the club or whatever. But well, yeah, you know. I think too a lot of it is in the the capability of of how you're sharing it. How often nowadays are you going to somebody's house and sitting down and getting out a photo album? Like that's yeah. that seems like so much work, and I have to like actually go see you. It's like here, I'll just click a couple buttons and virtually yeah. share these photos with not just you but everybody. It's and a generational thing now. Now, does know? that it's take away? Thing. Does that take away from the the social interaction of getting together? Because it almost became a running joke later on in life that, like, oh, here's my family vacation photos. Baha. Oh, there's one of me naked. How'd that get in there? Ba ba ba. Like, it, it it almost became a Slide. mockery of itself. <laughs> you know, like it was that thing everyone hated to do. Like, oh, your vacation again. Cool. And and I yeah, feel like that's what I feel like that's yeah. what this is turning into. It's almost becoming a mockery of itself within itself, next to itself. Huh? <laughs> See, I can do it too. So you are but. a philosopher. <laughs> it's a paradox. <laughs> no, but it, it it I really enjoy that site, man. It, it yeah, that's really cool. Oh, that's cool. It got me more interested in in starting to print out all of the pictures that I have. I don't take a lot of pictures. But the ones that I do take, you know, it's they usually mean something. You know, you very I will very rarely just take random snapshots. I I just don't care. I I can use that those couple bytes, a couple megabytes on my memory card for some app that I want to run. You know? Right. <laughs> that you'll run once and forget about. You, you know, know I, so. you guys talk about the way people look at pictures. What what I see, and it's my wife mainly. She wanders around with a bunch of pictures, and she takes pictures with the iPad, and then she'll sit down and just flip through them. Yeah. Uh, but, but not a paper album. She does yeah. iPad album. We've got some old paper albums, but I haven't. We never look at them. It's kind yeah, of yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's the thing now. I mean, right now everything is about being fast and, and efficient. With it being digital like that, you got it right there. You can share it right there. Social media wants you to share it right now, right then. You know, it, it's that's fine. I, I don't have anything against that because the second I'm at a soccer game and my boy goes out there and, and puts in his 10th goal of the game, I'm snapping that thing, you know, and I'm sharing that with everybody that I care to share that with that minute, you know. But it would be nice Does, to be print that picture out. That's kind of back to that same that's kind of a generation difference from now you know? here's a philosophical a angle from it though we don't we don't end up we capture them and look at them on ipad maybe or just store them and never go back to look at them but we're not so much in our generation or at least my wife and i into taking pictures and but, you know, posting them right away. That's because you still hold on to this thing called privacy, which died like eight years ago. But check this out. Does that make our memories more disposable if you're just able to snap it up, post it on Twitter, and two minutes later it's gone into the ether? It almost seems like that makes your experiences and memories that much more disposable, that you're just throwing them out there and, and there they go into the nothingness of, of social media. Well, but, but if you put them on Flickr or something like that, that 
they stick around. You right. Well, so again. that's the difference, right? You got to make the separation yeah. between the, the online photo albums and the online sharing services. Because I feel like if you throw it on Facebook and Twitter, it gets lost in the feed and a few people see it and a couple like oh. it and then that's that. But if you put them on the albums, you can always go back to that and reshare it, you know, as many times yeah. rather than having it just a one time disposable memory that gets lost in your, in your, you know, I agree, man. in your feed. Yeah. That's and I have the separation between pictures that I I go out and take that are for albums and pictures that I just like oh that's cool post it up send and that's it so I do kind of have a disposable memory and then a, a more permanent memory where I'll take the time to clean the photos up and then post them in a nice album and maybe yeah. leave captions of where it is and what it was and that sort of thing as opposed to the I'm out and I see something stupid and I take a picture and make a joke about it and there it goes into the, the nothing. How, how many how many do you take a picture and just post it like you say into a temporary uh, Twitter or Facebook or something? I'd say more times than not. How many not, pictures? They're more disposable than not. My TwitPic account has probably a few thousand pictures. I think my Picasso oh, album shit. has probably 5,000. I don't know. There's there's a bunch. I should look. Yeah. But you're you. kind of doing it all the time, right? Every day or something? Yeah, well, I'm, I, I deliver a for a living. Like, I'm yeah. out in a different part of northwest Montana. Like, my whole kind of life out here is like a big postcard so i'm constantly taking pictures but they're all like just disposable like here's what the mountains look like today here's what the sunset looked like yesterday it's all that kind of crap but if i go to like an event or a camping trip then there's a whole series of photos i guess that's the difference there's either one photo yeah. and that's disposable or it's a whole series of photos and that's permanent yeah and the difference between that versus 10 years ago maybe Maybe where everything was permanent, ago. right? And it yeah, now it's all know. in a box in your attic, molded. Yeah, the separation that you were making for that camping trip, exactly. you were going to print it out, you know, or somebody was going to print those out and and stuff them in a box somewhere and keep exactly. them for reflection later. And there's still some people that do that right now, but again, it's a generational thing, like Larry was saying. You know. Yep. And How about I'm you? Do you take pictures? You take pictures all the time and pop them up on Twitter and stuff. Um, I never I probably, do. I kind of. I may do a generation. Three, I may do three or four in a week, four at the most. Not that oh, many. And this is mainly because I see something totally asinine that I have to mock. Exactly you know? right. A bumper sticker <laughs> or a person of Walmart or you know something stupid like that. Yeah, it's, it's usually something that just makes me shake my head and like, look at this idiot. You know, like things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> you know, but then when I'm taking other pictures, um, I'll take a lot of pictures just sitting here with the hardheads, and sometimes they don't even know it, but it's just for me and my memories and. I'll um, snap them and instantly upload them up to my Picasso account, and nobody else will see them until later. You know, but those are those are a little different. Those are things that's, that's going to be a little more sentimental to me. Yeah. You know, you know. Yes. Yeah. My mom, on the other hand, she would print them out, <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. start printing you know, them out. The biggest difference to me is not is not the printing out, but the kinds you're talking about there is the quantity. Yeah. Um, shit, I don't think I have three pictures of me when I was a little kid. And I can take 50 in 15 minutes, you know? 
<laughs> but that's the difference now. Kids that are being born now or five years ago or ten years ago, they have an overwhelming amount of pictures. There were families that were taking a picture of a, a day of their children to watch them grow up, you know, in a weird kind of... Yeah. Yeah, I remember there an L.A. artist did that uh, a few years, uh, shit, I know, maybe 10, With their whole family? Ago. It was the whole they, family? No, no, just oh. a picture of me, of that artist, every day for a year. Right, right. And that was, you know, that was museum, uh, that was in a museum in L.A. You know, I got uh, into that for ago. a while. I was using posters uh, to do that. I was doing like a pick a day just to like watch myself age for some weird reason. I was like fascinated by how I was aging. I, I don't know. It was weird. But then I just lost, and, and then it became like a pick a week, and then it became like a pick every time I shaved, and then it, I, I just lost interest in it. But it was an interesting thing for like this month. I just watched, like, and you could tell, like, God, I had a terrible day, or I didn't sleep that night, or, you know, so just <laughs> watching me die, basically, and then I'd, like, come back rejuvenate. It, it, it was a weird thing, but it, it, well, it enables you to do that sort of micro Microsoft Research project i don't know if it's still going or not a few years ago where people were wearing ah. uh, uh, cameras around their yeah, necks yeah. and kind of recording every you know just their entire live stream um that was a really interesting he's he's still You're doing that. about that for a while yeah that guy's still doing that i think yeah that guy um what's his name his justin name? tv did that forever yeah, that's what's that's what Justin TV starred as. It was yeah, Justin. Yeah, like, he did that forever. I remember seeing him on Cranky Geeks podcast, <laughs> and he had the camera strapped to the side of his head, and um, it was live streaming, you know. And and you you go into the to the Justin TV website, and wherever he was, you were there with him, with whether it was just something hanging out with the friends or. A board meeting with this company that he had started up, you know, and it, it was yeah, you, pretty riveting <laughs> at times and pretty entertaining at times too, you know. When yeah, you do just, you guys remember when the web first started out? There was some woman that uh, set up a webcam in her house and got a lot of publicity just for leaving it on all the time. And thus, no cam whores were born. Doing. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Not as vividly as you, Larry, but yeah. <laughs> Hey, I re I recorded them. I bet. <laughs> TiVo'd that shit. <laughs> Change the channel. I don't like redheads. All right, moving on. Uh, and and I guess in closing for the the whole life sharing thing, isn't that what Hangouts is all about? Publicly share your hangout, your life, hanging out. I mean, we're chatting. We're that that seems to be where media or social media and, and our lives personally have, have been going. Is you know, we went from sharing pictures. We went first, I guess, from sharing text, right, in blogs, very old school blogs where people are just like, Dear Diary, he loves me. Nay, he loves me not. I shall kill myself now. And then we went to, you know, pictures and, and then went to video. And now it's it's like full HD, 10 participants just sharing life experiences. It makes uh, long-distance relationships uh not more fun, but I guess a little more interactive. It does. So, yeah. All right, uh, moving on. Let's talk about the Yahoo guy real quick. I know this has been covered to death in all the other tech shows, but since we are uh, just you know yet another tech show, we might as well give in our two cents. Scott Thompson, CEO, excuse me, former CEO. Former. <laughs> former CEO. Uh, potentially a pathological liar. I don't know. 
I don't want to to tell tales out of school, but uh, just what I've heard. Uh, what do you think about this? Did he fudge this? Was it a bad PR move? What, what happened, Ant? In my opinion, it all comes down to, to him, whether his his headhunters and all of those folks put this resume together for him. He still had the final say-so on his resume. Exactly. And, and I heard yeah. it wasn't just this resume. It was the same exact resume he had back when he was what, with PayPal or something. PayPal, so it right. wasn't just, oops, this time, you guys, I don't really have – I don't – Technically, I mean, it's like a GED, okay? It's 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 good enough, but technically, I don't have a computer science degree. That's fine. No, we never even had the class. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> no. I remember when the story broke about him lying, and and everyone was saying, "Okay, what should happen to this guy?" And he should be made to have to stick it out with Yahoo until they bankrupt themselves. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're not allowed to change jobs. You're stuck. Yeah, maybe he did get off easy. I know, yeah. right? That's what I'm thinking. But so it came out, uh, activists. If, if, if Yahoo were doing really well, do you think that they would have fired him? Isn't that, Aren't there some uh, some uh, fund that shares kind of trying to change the, the management at Yahoo? I wonder this, if this isn't kind of a this validates and justifies Yahoo's tanking terribly. Just this, this is the, res- the they're placing the responsibility. They're saying because he didn't have this degree, that's why we suck so bad. It's like, well, you guys were kind of sucking before he took over, but let's you know, you know. But then if you look at this this Ars Technica article, the whistleblower. Is someone that's wanting to be CEO. He was activist shareholder Daniel Loeb, <laughs> manager of hedge fund Third Point. Is that also known as a witch hunt? Is that also known as a conflict of interest? Uh, in a letter to Yahoo's board, Loeb noted that Thompson's biography included both accounting and computer science degrees from Stonehill College, but Thompson earned only the first, you know, the important one, uh, accounting. Uh, Loeb discovered computer science degrees were not even offered at Stonehill until about four years after he graduated. He said, no, in four years I was going to go get it. I had to go pick it up at the printer at Kinko's. (laughs) All I know, man, is, is if a man lies on his resume, man or woman, I should say, lies on their resume, they should should be punished for it one way or another, whether it's it's uh, demotion, whether it's termination. That's how it happens in the quote-unquote real world for people that aren't CEOs. Man, if I went um, to McDonald's and I was like, yeah, no, I got tons of fry cook experience, and they hired me and they put me on the line, and I was like, <laughs> all right, so <laughs> I'm going to put water in here, and then I blow up the fryer. Like, yeah. you know, they're going to fire me. They're not going to be like, oh, that's okay. No, close enough. And it should be the same way for upper management, in my opinion. Does this just a lot of people in the the country that disagrees with that? You know, he's the CEO; he should be held to a different standard. You're right; he should be held to a different standard, a higher standard. He knows better. Exactly. But yeah, what was what what was his what was his defense? Did he claim that he didn't know they'd put that out, or what? He blamed it Dude, on. He must have some rational instinct. He blamed it on, the, he blamed it on the per the people that put his resume together, like they it's they had a dartboard with different degrees on it, and they were just throwing darts, and they're like computer science check, <laughs> you know, like 
Okay, but you okayed it at the end, right? You I mean, said I saw you on LinkedIn. You, I have a client that uh, may be interested in you. Let me just pretty up your resume real quick. Right. I was gonna say, like, yeah, you're the one that put that on your LinkedIn profile. They, you know, like, come on. I don't even use that. I I can't LinkedIn. Come on. <laughs> Uh, in addition to the exit of Thompson and appointing of Levinson, Yahoo announced it reached an agreement with uh, the whistleblower, Daniel Loeb. He and two other third point nominees, Michael J. Wolf and Harry Wilson, will join Yahoo's board. There you have. So it was yeah, almost a win win. Uh, let's see if three of them can run it better than him without a degree. How about that? <laughs> Good luck, guys. Good luck. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what this whole thing is about. Good luck. It was a witch hunt. That's all it was. It's a witch hunt. Well, burn him, get it over with, and let's yes. move on. <laughs> burn him. I mean, I'm just saying, like, that's, that's what you do with witches, or that's what I heard. <laughs> All right, uh, you guys noticed latest real quick. Uh, Google Chrome updated to 19, just killing it with those revision numbers, making an interesting move to your task tray. I don't know if how many people like that. Some people, if you're OCD like me, you like a very clean, tidy task tray. Other people have icons from corner to corner, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> do, 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 do. like, ah. Wonder why your computer booted up yesterday and you're just now ready to use it. Okay. Man, I I, I have to look at this on my Windows machine. Um, I guess it'll be tomorrow sometime when I actually boot that up. Yeah. But I, um, it's on my handy. Box, I'm not able to see any um, tray management features right now. I mean, I see sure. some things in my tray, but I don't see my Google Chrome up there. But yet, performance is still fine. It It updated this morning. And yeah. it's interesting they built in the task manager. So if you right-click on it, uh, it'll say who you're signed in under and what uh, what apps maybe you have open, like my Google Docs is showing now. And then it says, you know, you can let it run in the background. You check that or not. And then it has task manager, and you pop that open, and it shows you, you know, the, the Google Chrome. If, if, you, if you have Chrome open and you right-click on a tab, you can open up the task. Now it's mm-hmm. down here, and it shows you each tab, each extension, each process, your GPU renderer, uh, and your different plugins, uh, and how much memory they're using, what CPU they're on, uh, cycles, that's, network. That's really, speed, that's really handy. Frames per second. It's yeah, it, it's pretty cool. It is yeah. pretty cool. Like I'm, a, I tend to have about 800 tabs open at a time. Yeah, that explains uh, why your uh, connection is and, and, crapping. Yeah, I know. Thank you. No, actually, the re- no, actually, I killed. Google Chrome because of that. I'm do, using just uh, one tab in Internet Explorer right now. Nice because of that problem. But, um, but that ability to to go tab by tab and and see how many resources they're using and make decisions that sounds really nice to me. It is key. It I is like key. That. I like it. I like that. Yeah. And how? I never really, <clears throat> I never really had any issues with running a bunch of tabs in Chrome. Um, whether it's how, how many tabs? How many side. tabs do you typically? How many tabs do you typically have open? Right now, I'm light, and I have one, two, three. I have six open right now, and that's a little light. Well, it, it depends what you're doing, right? 10. Like for yeah, shows, it, you have your show stuff open. If yeah. you're at work, you know, it's, it's different. I feel like, too, it's not the amount of tabs you have open. It's what those tabs are doing. doing. You yeah, can have, I you know, do notice a performance difference um, on the Windows side if – 
I have one of those tabs that's just streaming uh, Flash video and something like a, a like another podcast or what have you that I'm watching. Right. You know, I, I'll see a little bit of lag on that, um, even if I just try to pull it out and make it its own window and minimize it so I can just listen to it in the background thinking it'll use use less memory. Flash is it'll a hog. Still, Flash yeah, is such a hog, though. Lag it a little bit. You could have 50 tabs open right in HTML5 and five Flash tabs open, and those Flash tabs are drowning your memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. But tab management getting much better. Browsers overall getting much better. Um, let's Unless talk about IE nine. IE nine still sucks. At, uh, IE, still sucks. I don't care what number you put after it. It sucks. <laughs> don't use that. Use Chrome or Firefox. Don't even use Fire. Firefox had some wicked bad memory ma- uh, memory leak it sure errors. Did. It sure did. Just like three gigs, really? <laughs> okay, yeah. Firefox. That's fine. <laughs> You said, I got four gigs of RAM, Firefox, three for you and one for Windows. And there you go. Yeah. Party on. And my, tab, my tab just have webmail open. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's squirrel mail, though, so it's cool. It's nuts. All right. Um, this is interesting. You posted this about a gentleman who got some uh, magnetic implants. They're, they're rare earth magnets implanted into his skin, right? For the purpose of? He wants to mount his iPod to his wrist. Cheater. Um, Did you hear? I like my music on the go. You know, I like playing my music on my cell phone and just sticking it in my pocket and listening to my earbuds or whatever. And I noticed that a lot of uh, recreational or athletic people love to have their iPod just strapped around their bicep or what have you. Or if they're people are so vain, you know, I, I, that's that's fine. But man, I, magnetic implants in my well, wrist. Well, I'll, I'll do you one better. Like five years ago, I read a story about a guy who put them in his fingertips, and whenever he was around, like when he was doing cabling and stuff and wiring, you could feel the vibration in the, and so you could test your dead wires and stuff that way. And he said after a while, they kind of started to work their way out of his out of his skin. But I thought that would be so cool, just to like I don't know, kind of like a sixth sense of sort of electromagnetic field uh, f- uh, feeling. Okay, so that was an investment for him, right? Sure, sure. You know, it, it was a write-off for work. <laughs> it was a business expense. He's writing it off. Come but on, then, man. then like three years later, touchscreens come along. He's like, "Damn it, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't do this." It sticks to I, it. Ah. I mean, man, I love. Like I said, I love my music on the go. But there is no way I'm going to sit here and and say, you know what? I'm going to mount <laughs> my devices right here. You know, I love my Droid X. I will wear the power glove with it sewn into the power glove before I go surgical. Now, if I could get some, like, cochlear implants wired up to, like, some Bluetooth headphones (laughs) in my... Oh, that would be cool. (laughs) Now you're talking. And and then some lenses. Maybe just take the whole eyeball out, right? And give me some nice 1080p lenses, some zoom. Now, see, when I looked at this this article, the guy had, you know, and I don't want to sound too prejudgy, but the guy had different tattoos and whatnot. And so I'm thinking, okay, maybe he was going at an artistic um, basis for this. I'll tell you what, and Body piercings and so forth. And they have their own reasons for doing these body piercings. But, 
Man, he wanted something totally functional. You know, he sat down and was like, okay, let me get my engineering on and see if this thing will properly hold <laughs> this device on my arm. You know, it. Well, if you look, and you know, his arm. It turns out it it, it didn't work so well, but he sticks to the refrigerator now. <laughs> right, in different poses. His arm has a piranha plant tattooed on there from Super Mario Brothers. Did you just notice that? That's, yeah, that's a piranha that. plant. That's pretty cool. I like the piranha plant. Uh, he says the magnets are actually called microdermal anchors, and in body piercing, they're very common. The tops are actually just five millimeter magnetic tops. He said. I uh, took the ends of magnets and actually adhered them to the back of the iPod, uh, and that's how they click onto my skin. He added, I can go for a run and it won't come off. I've already taken it to the gym and jogged with it on. Uh, and, mm, yeah, so uh, that's, that's pretty cool. How much that cost? Is he, has he got one of those little teeny-weeny iPods? Yeah, it's a, 16, it's a 16-gig yeah. iPod Nano. He's 21 years old. He lives in New Jersey. His name's David Herbin. And, uh, yeah, he's a tattoo artist there. And I don't know. I would have went Android, but, you know, cool idea. <laughs> of course. Of course. Gives boot sure. get, a whole I, new meaning. I'm going to get right? some big magnets and start carrying my laptop around without a <laughs> Like on your back? <laughs> like Invader yeah, Zim? <laughs> Just be awesome. I'm going to start a Kickstarter fund now. Laptop on Larry's <laughs> back. <laughs> get off my back. <laughs> Dot com. Hey, man, as soon as we get to $100,000, we'll go into production, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Start making these for everybody. All right, um, before we get out of here, let's let's just kind of talk about this, I guess. Right. The, um, the more we start to kind of trust in this whole cloud idea, and uh, namely health records, I, I know there's a big move to digitize, especially here in northwest Montana. All of the hospitals, all of the doctor's offices, they're all digitizing their records, which means that your information is living on the internet somewhere. Uh, you can take precautions to secure them, but in a valley where some of our banks here are still using WEP, uh, I'm just going to Put it out there and say maybe not everybody's securing them, right? And here in Utah, we see that a chief technology officer, he uh, resigned because there was a theft, just a, just a little theft, just a little bit, uh, of hundreds of thousands of online medical records from state computers by unknown hackers. We don't even know where they went. Sorry. Uh, the governor, Gary Herbert, announced Tuesday a comprehensive response to the massive data breach, including the resignation of Stephen Fletcher, director of the state's Department of Tech Services. Hey, I hear Yahoo's hiring, Mr. Fletcher. You could maybe, no? Too soon? <laughs> does Wait. he have a computer science degree? <laughs> no, but his resume says he does. Uh, Herbert's office said the state is also hiring public relations firm to handle. Maybe they could hire his headhunters too. This is like a whole movement. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, last month, hackers stole personal information of about 780,000 Medicaid recipients and participants in the Children's Health Insurance Program, including Social Security numbers of about 280,000 of them. Do you feel safe with your information up there? The yeah, state you know, in the health in the health thing, you get, you're looking at 
problems, but there's yeah. also a lot of real possible benefit. Oh, there's Both huge benefit, especially and, and research data. Collating um, all of that information and and projecting symptom, you know, there's a lot yeah. of stuff you can do with that information, but you have to anonymize it first. You can't say, you know, because what's to stop insurance companies from getting in there and being like, no, 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 pre-existing conditions, derby-derby. Well, I, for one thing, it's that would be against the law if they got caught doing it. But that's what I'm and, saying. Like, yeah, I agree. There, the these breaches exist. I don't want to minimize them, but I think on that, the potential benefits and cost savings and oh, I agree, savings and like you say, research opportunities. <laughs> I will go for online medical records. I will too, but I don't care about privacy. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, he yeah, says, I'm, "I'm sorry. I don't worry about that shit much either." To tell the truth, right. I'm doing a podcast. It doesn't matter. My privacy died four years ago. I remember the day vividly. Uh, he says, quote, The people of Utah rightly believe that their government will protect them. With an administration marked by one mismanagement scandal after another, we understand why Governor Herbert wants crisis communications professionals on the scene. But we think most Utahns believe he should pay for it out of his campaign money, not hard-earned taxpayer dollars. And that's true, right? They, I mean, your breach, my data, you pay for it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, the uh, here in California, there's really strict regulations, and the like. The university is really paranoid about it. If you have a data breach, you've got to go to a huge amount of expense to like oh for sure letters and stuff. To people. It's it's so there's a great incentive to not have data breaches. Right. Uh, at least in California. I don't know what it's like in Utah. But there's also a great incentive to do these things as cheaply as possible budget-wise, and that's generally the one that wins out, and maybe that's not the most secure. So there's a happy medium in there somewhere where they can be cheapskates and still make it somewhat secure, but, you know, hackers are going to hack, and, and if you secure it, someone else can insecure it, and that's how it goes. It's the rules. It's just the rules. I don't make them. I just abide by them. Sometimes. Sometimes. Allegedly. All right. Well, I think that's going to about do it. You guys have anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this baby up? Set it on the nun's porch? No, no I just hope on it. get another techshow.com. It's still up and running tomorrow. <laughs> you know it will be. Yeah, really. You know it will be. Watch for the DDoS You guys got the best sysadmin in the Jeez. planet. I mean, come on. I'm just kidding, Mormons. Hey, we, seriously. We we got a plan who we're going to piss off next I'm going to talk. I'll, I'm thinking maybe the Jews. I don't know. Well, <laughs> since Ant's with us, we could piss yeah. off the blacks. I mean, piss off the blacks too, can right? I say that? <laughs> That's cool. We'll piss off the whites the week after. It's fine. Oh, man. Hey, see, Mormons, we're just joking about them, Mormons. <laughs> chill, chill. That's right. All I think all religion is silly shit. Is that better? <laughs> Yet another techshow.com and join us next week for our new show, yet another atheistshow.com. Anyway, my name's Matt Lee. This is Ant Pruitt. This is Larry Press. Yet another techshow.com slash live. Check out the reruns until next week for episode 10. Hey, episode 10, guys. Congratulations. Just reaching milestones. Milestones left and right. All right, make sure you guys are subscribed on iTunes. Uh, you can leave us voicemails. I don't know if people still do that. 406-204-4687, and we will all listen to them, and we will bask in the glory of what you have to say. If you have any tech questions, you could uh, 
check out our site and contact us, and we will be happy to help you. Unless sure. you're Mormon or Christian or Jewish <laughs> or non-denominational. I got you guys, too. I'm just playing. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. Peace out. online at yetanothertechshow.com.